2: Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for smart, successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And today I'll be joined by a guest to give you an inside look at the work I do with my clients. This is your opportunity to learn through someone else's experience. They may even ask a question you have or one you haven't even thought of yet. So keep an open mind, open heart, and let's dive in. Hello and welcome to episode number 230 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, you know I'm so excited to be connecting with you and your earbuds again this week. And I've got a great episode for you, especially if you're struggling to get over a relationship or maybe you're over the relationship but you're struggling to get back into dating or just back to being a single woman. You're really, really going to love my coaching conversation with Amber. Before we get there, I thought I would share a little bit of a personal update. And I just want to share this update with you because I think it might actually help you see your situation and what you want to attract more of into your life in a different light. So, I think most of you all know that the majority of 2020, my husband and I have been bouncing around from location to location and have not had our own place. So to back way up, we moved from California back in January, we spent about three weeks or so on the road moving from California to Philadelphia slash New Jersey. And then my husband's employer, which is the federal government put us up in a hotel slash apartment for two months, so that we could find a place more permanent to rent or even a place to buy if we found the right place. And so we were there for two months it was really great. And then, of course, coronavirus hit. And just as it was beginning to get really bad, especially in the Northeast, New Jersey, New York area, the government was like, oh, your time that we are paying for this place is expired. So... Either you got to move out or pay for it on your own. And the place that they had put us up in was just completely unaffordable out of our own pockets. So we had to move out, but we had to move out. And of course, there was nowhere really that we could go to live because places weren't doing showings. And even if we could find a new place, all of our stuff was in storage in California. And at that point, California was well underway with their lockdown. So we're like, all right, well, the Northeast is about to be a huge shit show. So let's just go to my mom's house in North Carolina which is exactly what we did for about five weeks or so. And thankfully, Stevie's new employer was very generous with quote unquote, working from home. And then that generosity was like, all right, you need to come back to work at least some days a week. So we moved back up to the Northeast, back to New Jersey and to Stevie's parents' house. And that's where we have been since the end of April. And I'm actually recording this way in advance. I'm recording this in early July. I know that this is going to go out early September, but I am trying to get ahead of myself, you know, for my maternity leave. And we have been at my in-laws, his parents for, I guess, going on three months now. And it's been really an interesting process, which I can talk about that later. But I have just been so focused on wanting to get out of my in-laws and into her own place. And not only just A, I want to not be living with my in-laws, but B, I really just want to create our home. I want to nest. I want to design the nursery, I want to do all of these things before the baby comes and really enjoy having our space and maybe last months of freedom before life completely turns upside down in lots of good ways, but before life turns upside down. And I was just really, really focused on finding my quote unquote dream home. I was only looking at houses that were at the top of our budget because, again, I was trying to max out every penny that we had so that I had the best possible chance of finding our quote-unquote dream home. And, you know, like most people's dream home lists of things they want is usually a pretty tall order. And you know this if you watch any episodes on HGTV. You pretty much have to give up at least one item that you want unless you're building your own place. And nothing was just coming to fruition. Either there just weren't a lot of houses on the market or there would be a great house, but because there weren't a lot of houses on the market, there would be a bidding war. And Stevie and I made the agreement that we weren't going to play that game. We were not going to be overpaying, especially when we think that there's going to be quite an economic downturn, especially in the housing market you know, as the true economic ramifications of the coronavirus rear their ugly head. And so I was feeling really discouraged, really frustrated, and really desperate to get out of my in-laws. And I won't go too long into it. But then we were like, all right, well, let's just get out of here and rent for a year. And while we're renting, we can find a more permanent place to live. And obviously, that wasn't really what I wanted, because I didn't want to live in yet another place That was, you know, we're going to be moving out soon. And I just, we've been living our whole relationship like that. And I've been spending so much of my adult life like that. I just really wanted to settle in. Anyways, we are going to look at a potential condo or townhouse to rent. And long story, I had the wrong address, and who I was talking to was not the place, or he was not the owner of the place that I wanted to see. And I was like, all right, well, we don't have a rental property to go look at this evening. And so I just happened to get on Zillow. And I was like, well, I wonder how much these condos that we were going to look at renting, I wonder how much they go for if you're actually just to buy one. And how would that compare to the rent? And those condos weren't great, but right next door, so the next townhouse complex, you know, not even half a mile up the road. Had some really, really beautiful townhomes and a really awesome layout that would definitely work for our family. And Stevie started looking and he found this really, really great deal. And within 12 hours, we had an offer and the owner of the townhouse accepted our offer. So at the time that I'm recording this, we are under contract. Um, Hopefully when you're listening to this, we will already be in our new place and quickly getting things ready for baby to arrive. But the reason that I want to share this with you is because I realized as all of this transpired very quickly and we found this townhome and it just feels so right, it feels so perfect for what we need right now is I had these blinders on, right? Like I was just in this desperation got to get out of my in-laws, got to get out of my in-laws, got to get out of my in-laws. And I had this idea of what I thought I wanted, which was my quote unquote dream home. And my dream home was like four or five bedrooms. And I wanted big windows, ideally wooden beams across the ceiling and like these fixtures and a beautiful place for an office and like a second hangout space for the kids once they get older. And all of these things are great. And I really do hope that I have something like that or near that one day in the future. But what I realized is I don't actually need that right now. And I was stressing myself out and probably going to make ourselves go house poor by putting so much pressure on us finding the perfect place you know, to move into right away, especially because we had such a tight timeline with baby coming and also just wanting to have our own space after six months of living with one, or one of our parents. And so I turn this back to you. Where do you find that your idea of what you think you want, you're holding on to it so much that you may not be able to see or just completely blind to what is around you. And maybe that thing that is around you isn't the thing you want in the long term. Maybe it's not your forever, you know, dream home, so to speak. But it can totally be your dream home for the next year or two years or three years until you outgrow that dream. And you're ready for the next phase, the next part of that dream. And I'm so glad that I just happened to be looking at the Zillow for townhomes that were well under the price range that we were looking for, because it's going to allow us to continue saving up for the house that we really want in the future. And I think one day we'll be able to rent out this property and it will probably be a really great side rental income. But I would have never had realize that had I just kept these horse blinders on over and over again. So whether you are trying to call in a partner or a new job or a home or I don't know, a car, a new friend, like whatever it is, can you be less attached to what you think you want and what you think it looks like and more attached to what is the true intention behind what you want? How do you believe that this thing will make you feel. And can you focus more on that? Because when you focus more on that, then you allow yourself to have a little bit more flexibility around what it actually looks like and the timing that it's going to come in from, you know, because we are buying this townhouse now, and we have a little just a little bit of work that we need to do, at least before we move on. We're looking at another four to six weeks man laws, you know, if we had just found a place to rent, we could have been out here or out of here, I don't know, two or three days ago. But because we're buying, we have to wait for it to close. And then we need at least two weeks so that we can rip up the floors and put in something new and probably paint. And then we'll probably do some more stuff once we move in. But all of that's going to delay when we'll actually you know, be into our own place. But in the long term, or at least the immediate long term, it's totally worth it, because this place just makes me feel a certain way. And the way that it makes me feel is ultimately what I want. And so why do I need like my forever dream home if this place is going to suffice for our needs and my needs right now? Anyways, I just wanted to share that with you. I hope it inspires you, maybe inspires you to look at something a little bit different in your life that you are trying to call in and maybe be a little bit more flexible on what it's supposed to look like. And not that you're settling or compromising on yourself, but focus on what you think this thing will make you feel and really allow that to be the guiding force in whatever you are trying to manifest or bring about in your life. Okay. So, Switching gears here, moving on to today's episode. I am so grateful for Amber's question because even though exes and breakups are obviously a big part of our love life journey, it's not really a huge topic that comes up on the show all too often. It's a lot more of like, how do I track this person? Why am I attracting these kind of people? So Amber is struggling to not just It's not that she's struggling to get over her ex by any means. It's more that she's struggling to establish herself and her finances and her home and her new life and in dating post her 13 year marriage. So if you've recently gotten out of a relationship or if you've struggled to move on from the relationship, even though you know the person is a jerk or that you're not interested in getting back together with them, then you're really, really going to love this episode, especially. if you've been trying to date and it's just not been feeling right and you haven't really been able to get into the swing of things and it energetically feels really heavy, make sure you pay close attention to my coaching conversation with Amber. And with that, let's get right to it. Hi, Amber. Welcome to the show. How can I help you?
3: Hi. So I have just recently gone out of a long-term relationship, about 13 years. It's been almost a year since. And I've had a lot of struggles in my life financially and just being alone on my own. As far as relationships go, nothing's really worked out. And I don't know if it's because I'm trying too hard. And I'm just at this point kind of over the dating. I don't want to be alone the rest of my life. But I feel like it's me and something that I'm doing. And I'm just kind of looking for some guidance and maybe... Some help in figuring out what I need to do to be happy on my own, I guess. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, 13 years is a long time, and being one year out of it is not that long. So, you know, just putting it into perspective so we can hopefully get you being a little easier on yourself because that's important, can't be understated. Tell me what kind of healing work you've done around the relationship. So,
3: in the last year, I have started to meditate Mm
2: -hmm.
3: to help with my anxiety. I was waking up like having panic attacks in the middle of the night. So I've tried that. That's helped huge. Mm -hmm. With the coronavirus, it's actually helped me. I was working prior to the coronavirus three jobs and have since been home and had more time to work on me as far as like meditating, exercise, spending time with my daughters. Um, I think that's helped as well. Dating wise, I just recently kind of getting out of a six months relationship.
2: Wait, six months and you ended this other relationship a year? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you haven't really healed from this relationship then?
3: Uh, From a 13 year relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm, well, that was kind of like an ongoing issue. He had cheated on me for a long time. And I kind of think I was with him for the last two years of the 13 where I kind of moved on from that. So I think I've moved past him.
2: Right. Well, it's not just about getting over him. I, I don't think that you're like wanting to get back with him or you're still thinking about him. Like, that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting that there's some deeper work that a led you to the relationship. B that led to the specific dynamic and then whatever dynamic or characteristics were there when, you know, the breakup ensued, that stuff all needs to be looked at because you know, this is going to go listen to the podcast. Like this isn't just about getting over the relationship and not crying about it or feel sad about it anymore. Right. 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 It's about understanding what were the core wounds that created the relationship because whatever that is, It's probably what's affecting you right now. Yes. From that perspective, tell me about the relationship. Where did you attract him from? Who does he remind you of? Or what does he remind you of? This
3: last, the six months relationship or? Both
2: maybe. I think both probably are worth looking at.
3: So this most recent one, he was complete opposite of my 13 year relationship. I think I was trying to go outside that completely and start, Fresh, I felt like maybe that was a bad route, but I think ultimately, when it boils down to everything, I'm just kind of lost in the sense of like what type of person I'm looking for. I think when it boils down to things, I don't feel like confident in myself, I'm really unsure of myself, and I feel like I just need someone to help me in that respect. So, being alone is something that I've never actually experienced in my life, I guess, in a while.
2: Okay, okay. So then where do you think that goes back to? Not really being sure of who you are, not being confident in your decision-making. Where does that come from?
3: I think I've always been like that in school. Even growing up, I was very shy, very insecure. Actually, was bulimic for like three years in high school, like the self-confidence part of it.
2: And what was your relationship like with either your mom or your dad or... I had a
3: a great childhood. I'm still, I was always very close with both my parents, more so my mom and still am today. I mean, I can't think of anything that they had done to have caused that issue. I mean, I think when I was bulimic and things like that, they kind of knew and maybe didn't help me deal with it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, they were always there whenever I needed anything and attended all my school functions and things like that, very supportive.
2: Yeah, well, and you know, looking at the way our parents raised us and our home environments and how that relates to how we see the world, how we some of our behaviors, it's not a referendum on whether or not you had a good or bad relationship with your parents. Obviously, sometimes these things can feel a little bit more obvious if you had a bad relationship or any obvious form of trauma, but you weren't born bulimic. You weren't born unsure of yourself. You weren't born not feeling confident like what baby is shy now there might be different temperaments right but right. what baby is shy you know what i mean right. um, shy is not being introverted introverted is how you get your energy or how you don't get your energy being shy is related to confidence right right and so i think the first step for you is to really really get clear on where did these patterns come from because it's going to be very difficult to heal them if you're not sure where they come from right what comes up for you
3: I mean I feel like I was probably always in competition with my sister maybe that was part of it um never feeling like I was good enough you know grade-wise I always had to work really hard sports we were always very competitive we're only a couple years apart
2: and how did that dynamic play out in your household with that competition with your sister
3: Honestly, I felt like they were, especially my dad, was harder on my sister than myself. So I don't really understand why I was felt the way I did. Maybe it's because all the attention was reflected on her. But we would play soccer. We were on the same soccer team and same softball team. My dad was a coach and stuff. But when we'd come home from games, he would, you know, kind of lay into her and not me.
2: hmm Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And so there was a part of you that didn't really, you know, your sister got feedback, whether it was quote unquote good or bad feedback. She'd be like, right. she'd be like oh, you did this good. Oh, you did this shitty. I mean, right, that was like right, right. and bad word, maybe not like that, but basically <laughs> that's, <Right. laughs> that's the feedback she got and you didn't get any of that. No. Okay. And then how do you think that could have affected your ability to be confident of yourself, to trust yourself?
3: Maybe not being noticed. I don't want to say that they never acknowledge the fact. They would always like say you did a great job and things like that. But maybe for me, I always felt like maybe it's just me. You know, maybe I'm looking for too
2: much. <laughs> maybe I'm just very needy. I'm not really sure. Like You're not probably, you're you're not too needy. A lot of women think they're too needy, but they're not. How did you feel in your relationship with in your marriage? Did you feel noticed? Did you feel seen? Did you feel needy? Did you feel what did you feel?
3: I felt like I was never enough. I'm the type of person that doesn't give up easily on anything, especially relationships, and he came from a very toxic relationship and I felt that I could fix that and help him heal from it and many years went by and nothing ever changed. Um he had cheated on me, I took him back. I always made excuses for him. I shut my family out, I shut my friends out. And then finally I just had enough, and finally came to my senses, and that's when I moved out this past November. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So, can you see some of the parallels between that relationship and what you've described to me in your childhood so far?
3: Trying too hard,
2: <laughs> I think, maybe to get trying accepted. too hard to be accepted. Yeah, trying to get attention. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, when it comes to dating, first of all, I don't know how old you are you look fairly young. We're on video right now. You're this person for 13 years. It's been a year since you broke up. My guess is that you've been in relationships one way or another for most of your adult life. Yes. Okay. My recommendation is to take a complete break from dating. Just don't even think about it. And really, really focus on doing this inner child work to heal this little girl who feels like she has to give and give and give and try and try and try to get love and attention and affection because that's what she needs. That's what the problem is. It's not that you don't know how to date. It's not that online dating sucks. It's not that there's too many right. Like yeah. <laughs> not your, That's not your problem. Right. Now, there might be frustrations or annoyances, but that's not your problem.
3: Right.
2: How does it feel to just take a complete break from dating?
3: Scary.
2: What feels scary about it?
3: I know that's what I need to do. And some days are easier and I, can, I feel like I can do it, but I'm 38. I feel, not that I have a timeline anymore, but I'm afraid of being alone for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of missing out on an opportunity. And so thinking of not dating and taking a break from it is kind of scary, but I totally understand why I would need to.
2: Yeah, it's time for you to like really... You know, when I first started my business, this business back in 2015, like my whole brand, my whole message was like, date yourself, right? It's really yeah. time for you to date yourself and to really be in partnership and in relationship with yourself. Because this thing, like, I mean, you were in this relationship for a long time and then you like, again, 13 years is a long time. And then you've been broken up for a year, but you had a six month relationship. You know what I mean? So that's like not a lot of time to A, like get to know who you are after 13 years, and B, to do the healing work that's involved. Whenever there's a breakup, there's two things you have to get over the person and the relationship. The person you're over, you're like, he's a jerk, done with it. I mean, I don't know if that's what you would actually yeah, say, but like you're right. done with it. Like you don't, you don't have any desire to get back together with him. But getting over the person is typically the easy part, the part that's hard. And we confuse with why am I not over this person is getting over the relationship. And the relationship is what we believed the relationship gave us that we can't give ourselves. So if the relationship gave you a sense of purpose, if it gave you that sense of confidence because you felt chosen, if it was you know filling that void or that wound from childhood and you're not able to do that yourself... All of those reasons make it really, really hard to fully let a relationship go. And so then, you know, a lot of things can happen. Either A, you can just like not be over the quote unquote person, but really it's the relationship for months or years to come, which is common. Or B, you're like, shit, this is uncomfortable, this is uncomfortable, this is uncomfortable, must replace. And so then you go out and you find another relationship and that's and that seems to be more of your pattern. Right. Right. I agree. And so... Deciding to fill that void yourself now with the relationship with yourself is not going to be easy. It's not always going to be fun. If today's conversation resonated with you, and this feels like something you need, it's possible. There are spots right now available to work with me privately. Together, we can unravel your dating patterns, clear your love blocks, and get you into the relationship you desire and deserve by digging into your constitution, your childhood, and your previous relationships. Working with me privately means I can meet you where you're at and hold your hand through the process. It doesn't matter if you've never done this work or you've been doing it for years. All that matters is that you're done with where you're at and you're ready to find love in the next 12 months and are ready to invest the time and money in radically changing your life. To explore if this is the right fit for you, please visit me at veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching to learn more and schedule your introductory call with me. And what's funny is, you know, forget about 38. I know there's some people listening that are like, Oh, 38 sounds old, but the overall majority (laughs) listening to this would be like, Oh my God, I would love to be 38. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, my, my youngest client, I don't know, has probably been about 26, 27 or so. And the oldest client that I've had is I believe she was 66, 67. And I've had every client in between those two ages. And I'm sure like, it's even older and younger on both, you know, on both ends in terms of listeners in the podcast. Right. But no matter what their age, every single person says, time is running out. I'm going to spend my life alone. You know what I mean? Like the 27 year old saying that and the 66 year olds are saying that. So like, forget about it. Age is just a number. Like it doesn't matter. And you said you have daughters. Do you want more kids? No. You don't have to worry about that part. And so like a lot of people would be like, Oh, that'd be so lovely. You know what I mean? And it's not to say that, that I don't want to say that to diminish how you're feeling because how you're feeling is how you're feeling. And that's like real and legitimate, but I just want you to get that story out of your head because it's not serving you. It's not serving you at all. What's coming up for you? I see a smirk.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, I, it's scary and I want to do the work. I guess I just, I need the guidance. I think I feel like I'm trying to, you know, work on personal development. I'm reading, I'm meditating, and those things are helping. I'm just like figuring out how to be okay with myself. Like, I mean, I guess it's not going to happen right away. I just need to take the right steps to get to that point.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is where you move from what I call edutaining to actually doing the work and healing. You know, I don't really care about you reading more books. I mean, if there's a book that really speaks to you and read it, like, whatever, have fun. Right. But what I really want you to do is I really want you to start connecting with that little girl who feels like she's not good enough. Maybe feels overshadowed by her sister, you know, and, and, you know, if I had more time with you, I would want to look into what were the emotional reasons that led to the bulimia. Cause that's, that's no joke. Right. And that's also going to be a big clue as to what were you, you know, most kind of eating disorders are related to control. Like what were you trying to control? What did you feel like you didn't have control over? Right. And so the answers to all of those questions, I mean, obviously they would take a lot more to get into than we have time for the podcast today, but like all of those questions are going to help you see, oh yeah, like this is where my wounds are. And that then gives you the path to being able to heal them and healing them is simply like allowing yourself to feel them. I've been talking about that a lot on the podcast recently. It's not comfortable. It's not the sexy like manifestation or sexy bathtub with like pretty row of candles. (laughs) Like that stuff's cool. Like if you want to do it, that's great. But this is like the messy work. And then it's the reparenting so that she, And when I mean she, I mean like your inner child or little girl, you know, views herself a different way, views how to get love a different way, views men a different way, all of those things. I really do recommend getting support one way or another. So I don't know what insurance is like. Therapy, if it's the right therapist could be really great. Of course, crappy to happy could be really great. That'll take you through the exact process that I'm very briefly outlining here, but you don't have to do this alone. It's I don't want to say it's a lot and that like, oh my god, you're like so messed up, but it's just a lot for anybody. It's a lot to hold. Right.
3: Yeah, I think I definitely I did try therapy a few years ago and I didn't have a great experience, but it was only one therapist. And I know that sometimes it takes more than one visit or you know, things like that. I would love, you know, I'm hearing great things about life coaches, but right now financially,
2: Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's
3: feasible. But
2: maybe yeah. day. one day coaching might be covered by insurance. That would be wonderful. But yeah, I think with therapy, I think it does take a little bit of, you got to test it and find the right therapist. I highly recommend working with a therapist who does the inner child work because you, you need more than just talk therapy. I think talk therapy will be helpful in terms of you really connecting some of the dots. And I think there's still more, still more work for you to do around connecting the dots. So I don't think talk therapy would be all that bad, at least for a little bit. But I think beyond that, you really need to find someone who, when you say inner child work, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, let's do that. I get it. You okay. know, because otherwise I, I just think that you're just going to talk and talk and talk, and then you're just going to psychoanalyze yourself and you're going to read more books and then you're just going right. to like keep doing the no, same I feel thing. exactly like that. Yeah. But in addition to that, you know, give yourself a time frame. I really recommend a year. If that really, really feels scary and and like you know you're just going to break it because it just feels too damn long, do six months where you just go all in on dating yourself and you're not even online. If someone says, "Hey, are you dating?" you say no, or you can say, "Yes, I'm dating myself." I think that's like a sexist episode or something or something. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> um, I might be getting my dating shows confused, whatever. But really, go all in. When you get to that date that you put on the calendar, just ask yourself, how am I feeling? Like, do I feel ready? Do I feel like I've progressed a lot in terms of my healing? And then you can start slowly going out and dating. And you know, I've got podcasts around when to start dating after a dating break, which I recommend listening to. It's not clear cut. It's not black and white. But just set some date for the future where you just go all in. You know, what are all the things you would want your partner to do for you? Buy you flowers, say nice things, say I love you, give you massages, draw hot baths for you, um, write love letters, like whatever you would want, talk nice to you. Then you start doing those things for yourself in addition to doing the deeper healing work. And I think if you do those two things and you really commit to it for whatever time frame you give yourself, that you're fully committed to not dating you know, I I'm not saying like everything's going to be unicorn and glitter and ponies and everything by then, but I think you'll feel a lot different. Right. How does that feel?
3: Encouraging. I feel like it sounds scary, but I mean, I've been through so much. And if I, if this is what I really want to be happy in life, it's something I got to do. And I feel like I can do it with some help for sure.
2: Yeah. You can definitely do this. This is, hundred percent doable. And the last thing I'll say is about, you know, Oh, I'm running out of time. Don't want to spend my life alone type of thing is like, I already told you a lot of people say it no matter what their age, but also I think you're going to end up wasting more time. If you're like 38, got a date, got to meet someone because then you're just going to keep getting in crappy relationships over and over again. And then you're going to be like, I don't know. And your forties or fifties. And you're like, I just wasted a decade on a bunch of assholes, you know, right. rather than just Taking a year, maybe even two years, you know, and or whatever, and then like I'm not saying the first person you date after this break is going to be like your one, but I guarantee you, you're not going to waste a decade on crappy men right. if you take two years or a year or whatever to like really focus on you. And I think in the long run, you'll end up wasting less time. Makes sense. All right, how are you feeling? good
3: actually this is you know somewhat kind of new like i needed to take you know a step back and work on myself to hear it from you you know it makes more sense and like it's that's the right thing to do and i need to actually put the work in yeah that's yeah. what i want if i want happiness i gotta put the work in so yeah. that's what it boils down to
2: yeah totally and you know you've got you've got some time now to do it this- whatever the hell's going on with coronavirus by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty far. I'm recording this way in advance of when it'll go out because I'm trying to get ahead for maternity leave. So I don't know what it'll be like <laughs> by the time people are listening to this, but at least right now as a recording, you know, you've got time and you're not alone in coronavirus and quarantining, bringing up all kinds of crap for people. It's like all mm-hmm. their stuff's coming up because all of a sudden there's no distractions. Like there's not a lot to do. Right. And people are just sitting at home saying, shit, what is going on with my life? So um, yeah, instead of like running and hiding from that, I I actually think the energy is right just to lean into it and get uncomfy and um, do the work because when life goes back to quote unquote normal, whatever, and whenever that will be like after a vaccine or after herd immunity or whatever comes first, you know, the question is, do you really want your life to be? what it was like before coronavirus. You just want to go back to same old right. scene, right? Right. So an the opportunity, it's really like a portal. That's how I'm seeing it at least. Right. All right. Well, thank you so <laughs> much for coming on to the show. I hope this was helpful. It was very helpful. Thank you. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Amber, for coming onto the show. As always, I so appreciate everyone's vulnerability and courage to open up and be coached. That can be really hard enough in general, but then to do it publicly on this podcast, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate it. So Amber's question was about why dating was so hard for her after her 13-year marriage coming to an end. And not even just dating, but just getting her life together and feeling, I don't know if whole is the right word, but just feeling like herself and getting into the swing of things, so to speak. And I asked her what she had done to heal from the relationship. And while she's put some good habits in place, like establishing a meditation routine, she hadn't really done the work in terms of moving on from the relationship. And like I told Amber, moving on from the relationship isn't just about getting over the person. And in fact, that's usually the easy part. Usually we don't want the person back. Sometimes we do, but for the most part, we're like, yeah, that person, jerk, or that person, not the right fit. But letting go of the relationship and healing from the relationship, that's usually the trickier part and the part that takes a long time And the part that we don't really do the work over, and so then we just get confused and we're like, I don't like this person even, why am I not being able to move on? So in order to do that, you have to look at the reasons the relationship came into your life. You have to understand the dynamics of it, the breakup, and what the relationship gave her that she wasn't able to give herself. Often when I'm working with someone who can't move past a relationship or just has trouble kind of getting their life, quote unquote, back together, I know nine times out of 10, more than that, maybe 99% of the time, it's because there are inner child wounds wrapped up in the relationship itself. The relationship temporarily filled a void or healed a wound, and so when that relationship is over, it's like that wound opening up all over again, and that shit hurts. As I said to Amber, this can cause someone to not be able to move past a relationship even months or years after it was over, even if that relationship wasn't very serious or long-term. Or in Amber's case, it can create a pattern of going from one relationship to the next, artificially healing that wound. Now, we didn't get into the details of what the dating woes she was experiencing and that was on purpose because honestly, it doesn't matter. Coaching her on that wouldn't change anything because all of those frustrations are exactly that. They're frustrations, but they're not the actual problem. And that's why I recommended her to take a complete break from dating, to not get distracted by dating, to fill that void, but to focus on doing it for herself, because really and truly, that's the only way to do it sustainably over the long term. Amber shared that this felt scary, and I want to normalize that because that is completely okay. Remember, Amber felt like she was overshadowed by her sister and didn't always get the validation and the attention that she wanted, especially as it compared to her sister. Again, that's not a referendum on her parents, doesn't mean her parents didn't love her, doesn't mean her parents were bad people. They're imperfect humans, and that's just what happens when we are raised by imperfect humans, which applies to everyone. So for her, being in a relationship, though, was a way that she found that she could feel good enough. She could feel chosen. And it was a way for her to try to heal that wound unconsciously that came from childhood. And now by not having her date, I'm essentially asking her to cut that off. I'm asking her to cut off the thing that will help her to feel good, to cut it out of her life. And it'll take time before she can generate that feeling, that enoughness feeling on her own. So yes, it'll be uncomfortable, and for it to feel scary, that's completely normal. But Amber has quite a bit of work to do in terms of firming up, connecting the dots, doing the emotional healing work, and then the reparenting. And that's why I suggested it'll be much easier for her to do that with support, someone who can guide her, someone who can hold the space for her, because it's a lot. And not because like she's so messed up, but because it's a lot for anyone to do this work. This work is not for the faint of heart. It's deep, deep work. So yes, crappy to happy, I think would be a really good option for her. I also think working with a really good therapist who focuses on inner child work and moves beyond just like the talk therapy kind of style can be really helpful and make this process a lot less painful. Now, I just want to share with you after Amber and I stopped recording, we had a quick conversation around how to find a therapist and I wanted to share some of what I told her here I don't want you to feel like you have to have a million different first sessions with a therapist to find the one. You know, I know that you might find someone, you book a session, and then of course they want to know everything about you. So you tell them about your childhood and your parents and your situation and blah, blah, blah. And that's fine, right? Because the therapist needs to know that information. But if you're looking for a therapist, you might have to have that conversation five or six or seven or eight or more times. And after a while that can feel really exhausting and discouraging and And it can just make you be like, screw it, I'm not going down that path anymore. So don't be afraid to ask potential therapists questions up front before the first session so you have a better idea if they would be a good fit or not. It's kind of like dating, right? Like for my clients who are actively dating, I recommend having a phone conversation or a Skype conversation just to see if it's worth putting real pants on and going out and meeting the person in real life. And I think with therapy, it's no different. Every therapist is different. There are multiple styles of therapists. People bring different things to the table. It's just like coaching, right? Like I know what my coaching is like. I know what I do with my clients. I know what I don't do with my clients. And that doesn't speak for every single coach on earth or the coaching industry as a whole. It speaks for my practice, right? And so therapy is not so different. So I would definitely ask, do they do energy? Child work? Do they do emotional healing work? Can they do any kind of energy work? Now, I know that's a little bit more woo, but some therapists will be a little bit more quote unquote woo and can do some of that with you. So for some of you, that might be really attractive. For some of you, maybe not. But again, asking all of these questions up front will be really, really helpful so that hopefully you have to have less of these first sessions. So hopefully you're less likely to be discouraged, frustrated, exhausted from having all of these first sessions with therapists. And you can also ask these types of questions to coaches that you're looking to hire as well. You want to make sure that they're going to do a style of work that you want to do and the style of healing that you want to do in your life. And of course, my self-study e-course is a great framework to lead you through the inner child work. It's obviously going to be a lot more DIY than having a coach or therapist to hold your hand, but you do get a coaching session with me so that we can work through any of the kinks. And if that feels like that might be a good fit for you, feel free to check it out over at veronicagrant.com forward slash courses. Finally, if you are telling yourself a story about the age you are and how time is running out for you, I know this is a lot easier said than done, but please stop telling yourself that story. It's not helpful and it's not true. And it's really true that I've worked with clients all the way from their mid-20s to their mid to upper 60s and everything in between. And so many of my clients at different ages have all said the same thing, that time is running out. And that they're going to get too old and then just not be able to find anyone. You know, first of all, you don't want to be with someone who only wants to date 25-year-olds or 30-something. So you don't even want to waste your time on them. Anyways, but putting pressure on yourself due to age will more than likely cause you to quote unquote waste more time than if you were to actually take a total dating break, do the deeper work that's creating the crappy patterns that you're in, and then come back into dating once you can get to that place. Now, you don't have to be totally healed because nobody's totally healed. I think as humans, we're always healing and that's part of life and that's actually part of our soul's process. But you do want to be in a place where you are attracting relationships, not from your core wounds but from a different place within the body that feels more healed, more whole, more aligned, so that when you do go date, you're not looking for someone to fill that void or scratch that itch, so to speak. So here are your action steps from this coaching session. If you're getting out of a relationship or struggling to get over one, I want you to do some journaling. Why did you attract each other? Who did that person remind you of or what did they remind you of? And from where did you attract that person? Meaning, did you attract that person from a desire to feel good enough and that person was able to make you feel good enough because you could quote unquote fix them or at least you thought you could? spend some time healing any hurt from the relationship. Even if you know your ex is a jerk and you don't want them back, There's still hurt. And I don't want you to ignore that. Even if there's just a disappointment that the relationship that you thought you were in that was going to last forever didn't, there's hurt in that. And it deserves to be released and felt so that you don't stuff it down. And it just creates even more unhealthy patterns. Next, do the inner child work so that you don't repeat those patterns. Again, Crappy to Happy can be a great resource for that. VeronicaGrant.com forward slash courses to learn more. And if hiring a coach isn't financially feasible for you, consider a therapist if your insurance covers it, if you have, but don't be afraid to do your homework first. I can't tell you how many of my clients have had bad or even traumatic experiences with therapists because they weren't on the same page and the therapist wasn't able to really empathize with what the client was going through because the therapist is just trained, but doesn't necessarily mean they can relate to what it's like to have a crappy dating life or a crappy relationship end or, you know, anything like that. And then finally, drop the story of your age being a hindrance. It's not a hindrance. I don't care how old you are. It's only making your love life harder because you're allowing it to be a factor. All right, my dear, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you rate and review the show if you haven't already. Wherever you listen to podcasts, it's much appreciated and it's the best way you can support me and the show. If you're not sure how to rate or review where you listen to this podcast, then just send me a DM on Instagram or an email and I'm happy to help you out with the tech stuff. And either way, I would love to hear your thoughts, your insights, and your questions about this episode or really any of the other episodes that you've listened to. Come on over to Instagram, comment on any of my photos, or send me a DM. I'm Veronica E. Grant. And that's by far the best and quickest place to connect with me personally. And if you're not on Instagram, no problem. Send me an email at veronicagrant.com forward slash contact. All right. I'll see you again next week with another episode of the Love Life Connection. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now.